Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Could you turn to Romans chapter 12? The last time I I spoke, I spoke about who am I? Who am I? Which was from Romans 11. And this morning I just want to really expand on that and say because of who I am, this is now what it means for us as believers. So I'm going to read the whole of chapter 12, which is not too long. But it starts like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just to pretend to love one another, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take time in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do it all, do all that so that you can live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave it to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. 
Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame upon their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I feel so blessed just reading that, really. In the uh, version that I read, the New Living Translation, that version is titled, A Living Sacrifice to God. And some of the versions title it, the, the message titles it, Place Your Life Before God. The New American titles it, The Duties of a Christian. The um, Amplified titles it, A Dedicated Service. But the Revised Standard Version comes to the rescue yet again. And it says, My New Life in Christ. My new life in Christ, because we have a new life in Christ. And I look at that passage, and it says to me what my new life needs to be like. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've wished I had a new life. <laughs> I've looked at my life in the past, or I've been in the past, and things have come against me, and I'm thinking, I wish my life wasn't like this. But I do have a new life. And when I read the Gospels, um, sorry, when I read the Epistles, that basically Paul says this, in all the epistles that Paul wrote, including the ones from Peter and the writer to Hebrews and John, it can be encapsulated into one little statement, and it's this. We are no longer bound by sin and death because Christ has been raised and sits in heavenly places and we are sitting by his side. And if I look through all the epistles, it encapsulates them into these statements. Don't copy the world. Be transformed into a new person by the way you think. We are able to learn God's perfect will for us. We all have a special function. We all have gifts to bring to the body. We are called to bless and serve one another. And we are called to reach out into the world with love and bring and see salvation in the world. And that is the Christian life. That's what the writers, the epistles are calling us to do. Now I have to say I haven't perfected any of that. And this morning, everything I say, I'm speaking to myself. But I have to say that I live in the power of this new life. I live in the power of my sanctified life, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the reality that I've been raised with Christ in baptism. Just going back to verse 12, uh, starting at the uh, start again, it says, And so, dear brothers, I plead that you give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you, and let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul here pleads, he urges, he begs that you give your bodies to Christ as a living sacrifice. But the term a living sacrifice is a bit of a contradiction because sacrifice speaks of death or an ultimate cost. And there were no animal sacrifices anymore because Jesus has qualified us once and for all, making death or a sacrifice obsolete. But Paul urges us to live a living sacrifice, but sacrifice speaks of death. But the sacrifice he's talking about is dying to ourselves. Dying to ourselves. And many, many years ago, I used to be in a church where at certain points in the service they would cross themselves. And uh, I remember going to the minister, whose name was Stephen also, and I said to him, 
Why do we do that, Stephen? Why do people in the church cross themselves? And he said, well, he said, we cross ourselves because when we do it, we're mindful of the Trinity. We're mindful of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ for the ultimate sacrifice that he made and the fact that he rose from the dead. We sign ourselves in a way to seal ourselves in Christ and it's a sign of our common bond, our common creed. Well, I was only about 20, about 18 at the time. It meant absolutely nothing to me. But what he did say was this. He said, but he says, when I cross myself, he says, I think about this. He said, it's the I crossed out. It's the I crossed out. The old life has gone. The new life has come. Myself is crossed out. The old life is put to death. It's discarded. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 4, it says, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that he died, that we have all died to our old life. We have died to our old life. And that is what a living sacrifice is, folks. It's dying to our old life. Verse 2 goes on to say, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Don't be like the world. Be transformed. Don't conform to the world, to this age, to its patterns, copying its ways, its beliefs, accepting the compromises that the world puts before us. We shouldn't be anything like the world at all. When it says be transformed, the writer uses the same word to describe metamorphosism which for those who don't understand what that is, it's when a tadpole becomes a frog. But God doesn't want you to become a frog. He wants you to become a beautiful butterfly. And it's also the same word, <laughs> it's also the same word that the gospel writers <coughs> use to describe the transfiguration when Jesus was on the mount and he was transfigured. And the cry of the gospel writers is, be transformed, be transfigured, be totally changed into the likeness of Christ. And we can because the Spirit of God lives with us. And it is a progression. It is a process. It is a journey. But to quote the words of John the Baptist, who, and I think this is the greatest thing John the Baptist said, he said, he must become greater and greater and I must become lesser and lesser. There's a transformation going on. And when we spend time in his word, sorry, I had to drop that in. When we spend time in his word, we learn to understand what God's plan for us in our, in our, is in our lives. We learn to allow the Spirit of God to invade every area of our lives. The Spirit of God wants to totally overwhelm us, to totally envelop us in every area of our lives. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. There's a verse that Julian's often used. It's from Proverbs 23, verse 7. And it says, For as a man thinks... So he is. And we need to be those who spend time in the Word so that we can see what God is saying about us, so that we think about those things and we say, yes, we want to be like that. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. An old thing... What is an old thing? It's not something you wear. I don't, you know, sometimes I say to Monday, you're not going to wear that old thing again, are you? 
No, I wouldn't dare say that. <laughs> but an old thing is something that is not of Christ or not of his kingdom. You cannot keep the things that you've learned to live with. God wants you to put away old things. And you can't keep things that you've just learned to live with. Because God wants to transform you into a new person. There's a word that we're not allowed to use very often these days. It's very un-PC and it's called handicapped. It's called handicapped. And I looked at what the word handicap means. And the term handicap comes, was a, developed in the late 18th century and it was to do with horse racing. And what would happen is, is that there'd all be different horses of different strengths and abilities and speeds and the umpire would decide which horse carried which weight in order to balance up the racers. And so from the late 19th century, the term handicap meant to be the extra weight given to a superior horse. Handicap can also mean a circumstance, circumstance that makes progress or success difficult. A weight holding you back, stopping you reaching your full potential. Nowadays, we have to use the term challenged. The problem with the word challenged is that it doesn't imply, well, it implies you've got to live with it. But God, isn't, God doesn't want us to have our challenges because he's come to take away all our handicaps. He wants you to be a thoroughbred stallion like Black Beauty. He doesn't want you to be My Little Pony. He wants you to run the race with great speed, with everything you've got. Is there something this morning that's holding you back? A weight that makes progress difficult? A weight that makes success impossible? Is there a mountain standing before you? Benj gave a word this morning about something that we couldn't knock down. Is there something before you that we can't knock down this morning? Because the word says, be transformed, be transfigured, change into the likeness of Christ, because his transforming power can change anything. And just to make absolutely certain, it's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that called the world into existence by the power of his word. That is the same power that lives in me. Just moving on to verse 3, it says, Because of the privilege that God, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourselves better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, and so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And if your gift, and if your gift is serving others, serve them well. And if you're a teacher, teach well. And if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it to others gladly. That is quite a checklist. Um, when we have rock solid, Phil has this um, 
wonderful little expression. He goes, this is a stop and check moment. So I'm quoting Phil here. But it is a time for sober assessment. You know, don't think of yourselves better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation. And sometimes we need to sit down and think, how am I really doing? How is my prayer life? How is my time in the Word? How is my faith? How am I managing my finances? How is my speech? How am I with my children? And how am I with my wife, my husband? Am I leading them, serving them, encouraging them? And am I living as a servant to my brothers and sisters? The scripture goes, it says there, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Now, measuring yourself against God is a little tricky. It really is, because he's perfect and I'm not. But it says in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by his grace that we've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works that no one could boast. And so our prayer this morning should be, O Lord, thank you for my faith. Sustain it, strengthen it, deepen it. Don't let it fail. Make it the power of my life so that everything I do is for your glory. And in that measurement, God has called us to do something in the body. This is not a call to serve. This is not a call to serve. But if you belong to Christ, then you are part of his body and you all have a special function in the body. Because whether we like it or not, we belong to one another. Woody, you belong to me whether you like it or not. I like it. That's why I picked you. <laughs> we belong to one another. And in his grace, there is a measure that's given to each one of us. So if God is calling you to prophesy, then prophesy as much as you can. If he's called you to serve, then serve as much as you can. If you're a teacher, then teach as much as you can. If you're an encourager, encourage as much as you can. If you're a giver, then give generously as much as you can. If, you're, if, you've, if God has given you leadership ability, then take that responsibility seriously. And if God has shown you a gift of kindness, then be as kind as you can. Don't wait to be asked. These are things that we should be doing in the body together because we're part of one another. Just get on with it. I believe that God has given us a measure in all these things, different measures, because he wants us to grow more and more like him. In Ephesians 3.19, it says this. It says, then, we will be made, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And in some versions, it says, the full measure of Christ. And with these things, God wants us to move into the full measure of Christ. But I often hear folks say, oh, I don't know what my gift is. I have nothing to bring to the body. I have nothing to contribute. That is utter rubbish. That is rubbish because you are a child of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you. And if you're not sure what your gift is, then go and ask somebody. What can I do? Or ask God to show you. You might be surprised. 
I just want to pick up on this where it says God has given you leadership. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. Some of you have leadership ability and you're not taking it seriously. And if God has called you to be a leader, then you need to do something about it because you have something to bring to the body. Don't wait to be called to lead. Take responsibility for it. Don't shy away from it. And then in verse 9, it goes through this great list of things, which I'm going to go through all of them, as Paul said in the middle of, finally, as Paul said in the middle of Philippians. From verse 9, it says, Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave it to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap up burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And that's another checklist there. But I think I just want to go through these things because there are so many things that are relevant to us as a body. And in verse 3, it says, Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. And as I go through these, I just want, to, I want you to apply them to your own life and say, well, is that, is that for me? Is that something I should be doing? Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Look for ways to bless one another and let our blessing others only, not only be in words, but let it be in deeds as well. See the need. See the need. And what I mean by that is that If you see somebody walking on a Sunday with a huge pile of boxes, you know that there's a need there to help them. But I believe that God can show you the needs in people's lives without having to see something physical. We should see the need in one another. And the best way to do that is to pray for one another. Pray for one another. You know, sometimes when I'm driving down the road, I have a list on the car seat of everybody in this church. It's the life group list. And I pray for everybody in the ch- I don't say Lord bless everybody in the church but I like to try and pray for you all by name and I ask God that he would s- show me the needs in people's lives that I can meet them in the name of Jesus yeah. hate what is wrong hold tightly to what is good don't tinker with sin you will be burnt be careful what we watch be careful what we listen to Be careful what we say out of our mouths. If it's not a blessing, don't say it. Be careful what we say on Facebook, what we say on WhatsApp. 
We should be very careful about the words that we use. You know, we shouldn't speak with lavatorial words or sexual words. I'd love to be more pacific, but I, I just don't feel I can do that in this, in this sacred place. But we need to be sure. And if you're not sure about a word, come and ask me and I'll tell you. I've heard people say, oh, well, I fit, in, I fit in with the world if I say those sort of things. But the one thing that I found in my life that distinguishes me in the workplace is the fact that I don't swear. It's the one thing. And it just shows, when James talks about the power of the tongue, it just shows the power in our words. Because our words should be pure words. Because we represent him. Love each other with genuine affection. In John 13, 35, it says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And we need to remember that we are the children of God and we are his representatives on the earth and we should treat each other accordingly. Because as it says here, it proves to the world, which means that we're being watched. And just a... Very simple thing the other day. My neighbour said to me the other day, he said, you have so many people come to your house. And when I thought about it, I knew all the cars that came to his house. So there was his father, his mother and his, mother, his mother-in-law and father, and his brother. So there's three cars. So when these three cars come, I know who they are. And they're the only cars that ever come. But our house, there's lots of cars coming all the time. And they said, there's so many people come to your house and the world is watching you. Take delight in honouring each other. You know, we all like to be encouraged. (laughs) So remember to acknowledge the blessing that you are to one another. And let's not take each other for granted. And if it isn't going to bless them, don't say it. (laughs) But there are many people in the church that would probably come on a Sunday and go on a Sunday and we wouldn't really say anything to them. Ask God to give you a word for them that's going to encourage them and bless them. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. In Proverbs 10.4 it says, Lazy people are soon poor, hard workers get rich. And 10.26 in Proverbs says, Lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth or smoke to the eyes. And I know what that's like. Laziness is nothing more than stealing. Stealing time from your life, from your own life. Stealing time from your boss. Stealing time from everything. And we should do things as to the Lord. Because we are. And I know some people struggle with that. You know, they go to work and they get paid... And, um, you know, they come home from work and they'll say to me, oh, I had a really bad day at work. Say, oh, do it as unto the Lord. But we are doing it as unto the Lord because we are Christ's representative when we're at work. And that is how we should approach our job because it is unto the Lord. So when you go to work and it's really tough, say, I'm doing this unto the Lord because he is the power of my life. Rejoice in our confident hope. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And I love this. It says, This makes it clear 
that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. I am very fragile, but my power comes from God. It's not from myself. And I'll encourage you this morning to know your faith. Be full of the word. Be diligent in prayer. And be constant in fellowship. Knowing your faith. Knowing what God has inside you is a great power. And we might be frail. We might be getting a little bit older, a bit stiffer. But our power comes from him. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. In 2 Corinthians 6, 4 it says, In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We are true ministers of God. Over the last few weeks, um, I've been accused of being too positive. <laughs> and um, somebody, we were, I was just thinking about that, and I thought, well, is that true? You know, because sometimes people might think that I sort of, you know, just move around on casters on a silver cloud. Nothing ever goes wrong in my life. And I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. And Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was imprisoned in chains. And he was even bitten by snakes. And he said this. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory. I... The first week of December, Mandy went to the doctors. And the doctor said to her, I need to do some tests. Because there's a very slight chance that you might have cancer. And you don't want to hear that before Christmas. And uh, I go into this year, 2019, with the possibility that I may not have a job soon. But God is good all the time and Mandy went to the doctors and she had various tests and various scans and uh, we went through Christmas believing God and uh, the doctor called her in last week and she said there's nothing wrong with you at all hallelujah but you know when you hear that when they say there is a slim chance the first thing you think is well, there's a fat chance you are. Because <laughs> she didn't give percentages. But when she says there's a slim chance, and I remember Mandy came home, and being Mandy, she was, you know, so full of faith. And she looked at me and she said, don't worry. But, you know, we had to go back to the Word. And the Word says that he's for me. He's blessed me. He has a plan for me. He's not going to see me begging for bread. He is the Lord. And so until I'm beaten and left for dead, until I'm shipwrecked or bitten by a snake, I might complain a little bit after then. But until I get to the level of Paul's persecution, I have nothing to moan about because I know that God is for me and I am not going to accept negativeness. And I am going to be positive all the time because God is good. So don't give up. If you've got trials, don't become despondent. 
Keep pressing into God because he will answer your prayer. When we were going through this, Mandy came to the front and she shared, and Julian uses this phrase, and it says, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And it's a song by Don Moen. But the next line is the best line because it says, He works in ways we cannot see. And so often we have a situation in our lives and we decide how God is going to sort it out. But he works in ways we cannot see. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And sometimes we just have to trust God but, be, but know his word for us because he will make a way. Amen. Amen. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. There's a scripture in 1 John 3.17 which is always an amazing challenge to me and it says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can the love of God be in that person? If you see somebody in need, don't turn a blind eye or think, well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will put the hand in the pocket. Somebody else will, you know, whatever. If you see somebody in need, I believe this, God is telling you to solve that need because that's why he's shown you. Be eager to practice hospitality. This is a bit lighter. In Hebrews 13, it says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some of you have done this and entertained angels without realising it. <laughs> in Matthew 25, when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, Jesus gives this um, story about heaven, how the sheep and the goats, the goats are those who have not followed Christ, the sheep are. And um, Jesus says, he tells them all these things that they've done for him. And they reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, and he said, I tell you the truth, when you've refused to help the least of these brothers and sisters, you are refusing me. And so we do as everything is unto the Lord. And in Acts 2.46, they worshipped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And we were talking about this at Life Group this week, and I just feel that we should eat and fellowship together as much as possible. We should be those who are together worshipping God and sharing meals with great joy and generosity. It doesn't have to be three courses. I'm quite happy with beans on toast. But it's, it's being together. And I don't like beans, but I would have beans on toast. <laughs> but it's about being together. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the business of life that we only see each other on a Sunday. But it says here that daily they were together in the temple courts sharing meals with great joy and generosity. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And in Matthew 5 it says, You've heard the Lord say, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. <laughs> this used to be a real tough one for me. Because in my early life, I just felt there was a lot of people who had it in for me. And I wanted justice. I want justice. That's what I wanted. I wanted justice. And if you feel like that this morning, remember this. That God is the Lord of your life. 
and nobody has any influence or control over you but him, if you let him. In that song, In Christ Alone, it says, No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. So if you feel that there are people who've got it in for you, know this, God has got it even more in for you. And he will not allow anything to come against you unless he allows it. So don't feel that you've got to fight back, get justice. I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to have a go at this. You know, I'm not happy about it. Know that God is for you. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. I pray often, I say, God, give me more compassion, more understanding and more empathy for everyone that I meet. Live in harmony with one another. Paul talking in 1 Corinthians 1 about divisions in the church, he said, I appeal to you, dear brothers, by the authority in our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Don't let there be any divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind in thought and in purpose. Forgive each other's faults. We are all works in progress. We are all works in progress. We all make mistakes. A work in progress. Where, where I work in manufacturing and we make sofas. So in the factory they will cut out all the pieces to make a sofa and they'll put them into a big pile on a shelf. And that, is called, and that goes into a store and it's called the whip store, the work in progress store. And it doesn't look anything like the finished article. It doesn't look like a sofa. It looks like a pile of wood and fabric and nuts and bolts and screws and nails. But I know that if the right person comes along with the right tools, they can turn it <coughs> into a lovely sofa at a very competitive price. <laughs> <coughs> so some of, we are works in progress. We are not finished. So don't look at people and think, well, you know, they don't do that and they don't do this and they don't do that. Look at yourself, because we are. All, look at the plank in your own eye. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. In James four, it says, "He gives grace generously," as the Scripture says. <clears throat> God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I don't really want to be opposed by Almighty God. And love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous, boastful, or proud. And we must remember never to feel superior over other people because Jesus died for them in the same way that he died for us. And don't think that you know it all because you don't. <laughs> Be diligent in learning the scripture. Be diligent in study and God will reveal his mysteries to you. But David said something last week that really struck me. He said, remember that you don't have to understand something to believe it. I do not understand how the washing machine works. But I do know that if I put something in the basket, three, four days later, it is beautifully cleaned and ironed and on the end of the bed. Mandy's not here, that's why I said it. And I remember one time Mandy went away for a weekend and I tried to wash something and it was disastrous. I don't understand how a car engine works. I get in the car, I press the button, and it goes down the road. And if I open the bonnet, it is a mystery to me, although I do know how to fill the screen wash. 
I don't understand how God created the world. I don't understand what it means when it said he made it in seven days. But I know that he did. Yeah. And that's, that's it for me. Yeah. I don't understand why Jesus loves me. I really don't. But I know that he does because the Bible tells me so, as the old spiritual goes. There's a great hymn that David Vasey and I really love. It's by a guy called William J. Fullerton. And it's called, I cannot tell why him who angels worship. And the third verse says this, I cannot tell how he will win the nations, how he will claim his earthly heritage, how he will satisfy the needs and aspirations of east and west, of sinner and of sage. And you think, well, when you think about that, I think, well, how will he actually do that? I don't know how he'll do that, but I know he will. I know he will. And the, and the hymn goes on to say, But this I know, all flesh shall see his glory, and he shall reap the harvest he has sown, and some glad day his sun will shine in splendor when the Saviour, the Saviour of the world is known. I just feel sometimes we try and we have to totally understand the mystery of God or the mysteries of God before we believe them. And if that's you, then you're going to find that really tough, I'm afraid. <laughs> but sometimes we just have to accept what the Word of God says because we see it in other people's lives, we see it happening, we see it in our own lives. Never pay back evil with evil. I think that speaks for itself. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Make sure that our actions represent who we are, a follower of Jesus. Because when we're in the workplace, when we're out in the shops, when we're in the street, we are the representation of Christ. And if, and if those people are talking later on in the day and they talk about Christians, you know, if you, at work, I'm, pro, I'm the only Christian. So if people talk about Christians where I work, they talk about me. That is pretty scary. They talk about me. And so we must make sure that we are representing Jesus well. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Don't provoke each other. And if your enemies are hungry, feed them. And it's simply this, because Jesus would. And if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Because Jesus would. And don't let evil conquer you, because, but conquer evil by doing good, by living this Christian life, because we've found a new life. We've found a new life. Hallelujah. You see, I found a new life. I found a new life. I found a new life. And if anyone should ask me, what's the matter with you, my friend? Tell them that you've been saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized. Jesus on my mind, I found a new life. I found a new life. I have found a new life. I have found a new life. And if you're here this morning and you think, I've never heard of that, not the song, but you've never heard about finding a new life, God wants to show you his new life. God wants to show you his new life because it's so simple. And when I went through this, I thought, this is so simple. I could do this. I can do all of this here because I found a new life. Oh, there's words. 
I found a new life. I found a new life. People say to me, what's the matter with you? People say that to me in the world. What's the matter with you? You're different. People say that to you, don't you? They say, what's the matter with you? You found a new life because I've been saved. I've been sanctified. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been water baptized. And I've got Jesus on my mind, the mind of Christ. I found a new life. Amen. Amen. I just want to reiterate um, what Ben said. There might be somebody here who feels that they're trying to knock something down. Please don't go without addressing that. And also, when Will talked about raising a shout of hallelujah, when things are in your life that need to be knocked down, they can be, because God is a good God. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.